Hello, welcome to the Transport Podcast. I am here with my bride, Daisy. Hello. Uh, today we are going to tackle this question, a controversial subject matter, just because money just has that uh, propensity to uh, divide people and perspectives and interests and so forth. But what does scripture have to say about money? What does it have to say about everything, you know, kind of going on in our lives and in our world? And so we are going to tackle that. And I guess what I would start with is first point, point number one. I think it's a positive point. I think probably if you're listening today, um, you are probably thinking, all right, you know, this is just going to be about how money's bad and uh, how we're all sinful and depraved. Uh, but I think that we need to like look at the scriptures. And the first thing, the first point is that God is the owner of everything. Mm. So James says, every perfect gift is from above. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, what do you have that you have not received? Mm. Um, and then Psalm 24 Verse one says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, you know? So like there's so many Bible verses to uh, show that we have been entrusted with something. Now, if you're listening and you're not a believer, then this might be a hard one to grasp. Mm. But if you are a believer, I would say, okay, he created you. You have breath because of him. You have eyes to see due to him. So also then there's this paradigm shift that God is the owner of everything and that we are his stewards. Mm. So this is a positive thing. So he's given it to you. But then I think the, the higher purpose here is he's given it to us with a lot of guidance. Mm -hmm. So some things in the Bible are kind of like he touches on it or they're a little gray. On this one, Daisy, wouldn't you say God has a lot to say about money and stewardship in the Bible. Yeah, I mean, we were just looking over verses and it seemed like there's one after another, after another, after another. And I think, isn't it true that like Jesus talked about money more than anything else in the Gospels? Is yes, that accurate? It, it is accurate. And he does address it a lot. So, uh, and I think he's addressing it a lot because it tends to consume our hearts and our minds, doesn't it? It does. And I think what's interesting about, you know, the concept of God, um, owning everything is that it seems that money isn't something necessarily that God needs from us to do his purposes because he has his own plan for his purposes, but it's really about our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. And that's really um, what money comes down to in the end. I think you're nailing it when you say it's about our relationship with God. So if he entrusted it to us, it's kind of the same thing, like if I gave uh, one of our children some money with some guidance, there's a relationship there, right? Yeah. So in the same way, you're saying we have a relationship with God. He's entrusted us with this. So, But I, I kind of feel like, Daisy, there's a couple of responses that could happen with this. And it's like, yeah, I agree with that. You know, like, yeah, God gave it to me. But then there's no paradigm shift and in, in change in lifestyle and perspective. Mm-hmm. The other approach could even be worse, where you just are kind of living with no gratitude, mm. you know, to what he gave to you. And it's not a part of your paradigm either. So I guess um, I would say, um, you know, I think we're starting positive, but then I think that God has says a lot about 
money, and we want to give some guidance on that. Mm-hmm. One verse before I go into the guidance, though, just so that we keep, keep what the Bible says first and foremost is 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now, it's in the context of the gift of marriage and the gift of eating good food, <laughs> but I think it's all kind of ties together. And 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 5 says, Everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. Mm. You know, so it's like, um, oftentimes the church can get a bad rap for um, money being evil um, or having that misconception. But this is saying, hey, you have more money. God's blessed you with more. He's blessed you with more responsibility. And he's given you money to enjoy too, right? Like I think that's like something we can say, all right, he's given us money to have Sabbath rest. Like, you know, like uh, we're going to go on a vacation uh, next week, right? And so uh, I wish it was going to be longer. But anyway, but the point is that you can find joy and gratitude in this gift also. And that's a part of Ecclesiastes. That's a part of Scripture, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's say, let's go here. So how does God guide us to utilize our money or to think about money um, after he gives it to us? And I think we're going to hit on the heart, aren't we, Daisy? So like the, f- the second point is this. Money is about discipleship. Mm-hmm. Money is about discipleship. And I think that there's a couple things here. And the first thing I would say is, number one, it's going to test your faith mm-hmm. and it's going to test your contentment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Daisy, did you have any thoughts from Jesus's words you know, to us on faith and contentment? Yeah, I mean, Jesus talks about providing for us and that he will provide for us that you know our heavenly father will provide for us because he loves us and so i think um the the issue of money can lead us to trust god more in our relationship with him just um and and cause us to like to take some things that might seem risky to us from our human perspective and say hey i'm gonna you know take god at his word and and give a lot to help someone else, to help an organization, to help the kingdom of God. And um, I'm going to trust God that he's going to take care of me through this. And so I think that trust in your relationship with God can really be developed um, through what you do with your money and how you think about money. Mm -hmm. It's really good. So what I hear you saying is, okay, so first thing, when it tests our faith, it's testing our trust in God. Mm -hmm. I remember Rick Warren at a pastor's conference. It was actually a leadership conference. He said, um, if you don't trust God with your money, you don't trust God. Mm, You know, so what you're saying is it's going to be a part of your life that's going to determine your trust and your faith. And I'm often reminded about Matthew 6, verse 33, when it comes to this whole thing about money. Mm Mm-hmm is he Jesus in the context of God's provision for us says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything will be provided to you as well Mm, that's a promise and I would say in my 20 years observing Christians I have observed that promise to be real and true Mm -hmm. 
no matter what, I've seen Christians that say, all right, seek the kingdom means I'm going to seek what God's will is for my money. So I'm, it's not an obscure concept. Seek God's will for your discipleship, for your life, and he's going to provide. Mm-hmm. But consequently, I have seen people struggle because they haven't put God's word and his principles at the foundation of everything else. Um, and so also, Daisy, wouldn't you say this? that no matter if someone is very wealthy or is poor, a lot of human beings' tendency is to think that they don't have enough. You know, so I have very wealthy friends and they don't think they have enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, and they're still worried about stuff. Yeah. So it's going to test your contentment. Yes. It's going to test your contentment. And um, yeah, Daisy, how have you, um, how has God given you contentment over the years? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, just what I talked about earlier, being trust, that's a huge one, is that as I've, as I've seen God provide for me, it's made me trust him and therefore I feel content with what I have. Hmm. And, but it's also a spiritual discipline of just um, going back to that in your head when you start to feel, you know, you start to feel tempted to say, hey, I don't have enough. Um, how's this going to work out? I'm not going to be able to pay for this or this or this. And you start going down that trail in your head. Um, it is a discipline to be able to pull yourself back in and say, no, I know that God has all these promises for me in the Bible and I've seen him provide for me. And he's told me over and over again, not to worry about this. So, um, I think that discipline can really help, um, to know the truth. And then one of my favorite, um, verses that can kind of pull me back in is do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there where your heart, there, for there your heart will be also. Mm-hmm. And it's just that I- idea of um, just knowing where my heart is. Is my heart with God and his provision or is my heart with my money and what I think I have enough to pay for? And just really evaluating where's where's my heart and where is um, where's my relationship with God that I'm I'm so worried about this when I've I've always seen God come through mm-hmm. every time. Yeah, so it's kind of like what I hear you describing is experiencing Ma- Matthew six thirty three. Mm-hmm. So seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and every everything will be provided for you. It's a promise. All the Christians we know have lived that and seen it, and then we're experiencing that. We've experienced that in our 17 years of marriage together. Mm -hmm. But it's a beautiful experience to see the promise occur, to see the promise lived out. Um, And so um, it creates more contentment because then we can go back to his word and say, it's true. We can go back to his word and say, um, he is providing for us. Yeah. And then just to close this part off on contentment, and I think that in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, Paul says this, and it's a, the context here is contentment, because this is a man that's very poor. Mm. He doesn't have a lot. Yeah. 
And he's writing this while in jail, yeah. by the way. But he says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Oh my gosh. So he thinks he had abundance. Mm. So like that, that should just give us a little pause. And then here's the famous statement. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm. And typically we have heard about that verse like before a basketball game or a big football game for an athlete that's a Christian. But here the context is like no matter what, I can be content. Mm -hmm. Isn't that such a powerful statement? to you know from a man who clearly had nothing mm -hmm. yeah. and look at us we're living in denver and we you know have access to a lot here mm -hmm. um so this is a strong statement for me today yeah um i think we tend to put our hope in in money and what we have mm -hmm. but god's asking us to put our hope in him absolutely no matter what happens in life no matter if we are in pain or struggling or um, suffering or doing well and wealthy, mm -hmm. like all of that is not where our hope is found. Our hope is found in Lord and what he's done for us. See, and again, it's so relieving to think that way, isn't it? Yes, so relieving. Like I can see you perk up right now. Um, and that, it, I'm perking up because it's like, all right, if our hope is in the Lord, and not in material things, then, you know, the, the personal issues, the stuff that's going on, we just know God's going to get us through it. And then one day we're going to, our bodies are going to fall asleep. We're going to meet Jesus face to face. And then it's not going to matter as much as we thought. No. <laughs> and all that money we earned and all those possessions we gained, they're going to be gone. What's it for? Yeah. What's it for? Right. I think we're going to get into that. I think we are. And I think what it's for is that big picture of there's a higher purpose. Yes. There's a higher purpose because he's our God and he has a kingdom. He has a kingdom and he's advancing his kingdom. So we can invest in his kingdom, which is eternal. So that's an investment in love. That's an investment in sharing the gospel. That's an investment in churches and church planting. Mm -hmm. um, that's an investment in caring for those who uh, just have had really hardships in life. Uh, but it's also freeing because now, man, my life's not about me mm -hmm. and my next, my eighth retirement home that I'm going to have or my 12th vacation of the year but rather like there's a bigger thing than that because yeah. that's all going to run out, you know, and it's like I think you and I, um, uh, we, we know a, a person who they're always restless and wanting more mm -hmm. and it's hard to entertain them. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a testimony to like no matter how much fun that person has, mm -hmm. there's a restlessness in their heart and it could be filled with a higher purpose, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Okay, so, all right, so our first two points were God owns everything, money is about discipleship, but then here is kind of leading into this point is this third point, worship with your money. So, what this has to do is a good friend of mine who actually is our videographer named Jackson uh -huh. said that 
Money doesn't change your heart. It just amplifies what was already there. So I'm going to just share this from Dante's Inferno. And in the story, there's two groups. There's the misers and the squanderers. The misers, their statement is, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. Okay. So these are people that even if they get rich, they're still going to not go out to eat, not go on any vacations. Their, their garage is going to be filled to the brim with stuff they're hoarding. Okay, but then there's the squanderers. And these are the opposite. So when they get wealthy, they live it up to the max mm -hmm. on wasteful, wastefulness and luxury. Yeah. So they're going on a cruise every month and they're eating a lot of food <laughs> and they can't eat anymore because they've eaten so much. <laughs> and um, so, but the thing is, is that the two groups are the same in the sense that they both struggle with the same sin. Mm -hmm. The same sin is greed. Mm -hmm. The same sin is just me-centered, no higher purpose paradigm. It's still all about you. And money didn't change you, okay? Mm -hmm. So you were, you were going to be, if you were a miser, you were kind of frugal before you got rich. But now you're still frugal after you got rich. Mm -hmm. For the squanderer, you were already living it up before you got rich. Mm -hmm. Now that you have money, you're going to live it up even more. And see, so, so money isn't going to change the heart. Yeah. It's an external tool that's meant for a higher purpose than just, you know, kind of keeping us in our sin. Yeah. Um, and so with that said, when it comes to worshiping God with our money, what are your thoughts, Daisy, on maybe how could we worship God with our money? instead of just stay, sticking with kind of the status quo of me-centered living. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's so many opportunities for us to be generous. And I think having a generous heart is what keeps us from going in the two directions that you talked about and thinking that this money is not um, the be-all of my life, but it's a tool to um, meet my basic needs without being excessive and also to help other people. And you had brought up church planting and churches mm -hmm. and um, helping the poor. And there's just so many opportunities out there. And yeah. so, um, you know, I've, I've heard once someone say something to the effect of, you know, you could either go in the direction of, I am going to live a very poor, frugal life and not make any money and that would be godly or you know God's called me to this career and this career makes a lot of money and so wow God's given me a great opportunity with this money to bless others instead of thinking you know the only godly way mm -hmm. to go is to be you know very poor and humble yeah. and that can be godly if that's what God's calling you to but mm -hmm. if God's called you to a career where you make money well, then how can you use that money to serve the kingdom of God? Mm -hmm. You're bringing up such an interesting point because as you are aware, my background is my parents are from Lebanon. Mm -hmm. And in Lebanon, the culture is that the really spiritual people mm -hmm. are like hermits and they're like monks. Mm -hmm. So they're distant, separate, and people think that the, the average Joe thinks, if you really want to be godly, you have to be like that saint. Mm -hmm. He lives distant. He's not married. He doesn't do fun things. He doesn't laugh or joke very much. 
Um, so that is kind of the spirituality. But then here's the thing, like no one attains it. And so they think that this is just like some higher purpose that no one can do except mm -hmm. like one or two people in the whole population of the whole country. Mm -hmm. So it's like the Bible says way more about this than just some crazy poverty theology. It says way more about, okay, God wants to give you more so that you can be entrusted with more and do good with what he's given to you, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But I think it starts with this paradigm shift, Daisy, is we are here just for a short time on this earth, mm -hmm. but eternity is going to be a long time. Mm -hmm. Jesus has saved us and given us the gift of eternal life through his death and his resurrection to give us new life. So then when we receive Jesus, then we can say, all right, there is a higher purpose. It's about advancing the cause and the name of Jesus mm -hmm. with my time, with my talents, with my resources. Mm -hmm. you know? And so then I think that is going to help people to be content and then also help people be generous. Mm -hmm. But if we just sit here and say, be generous, you know, it's, uh, I think we got to go deeper to the heart, right? Mm -hmm. And it's Jesus that causes that heart change. Mm -hmm. We're grateful that you have tuned in uh, today. And if this has blessed you and you feel like you can also bless one of your friends or family members, we want to encourage you to follow us and share it. And next time, we're going to keep on diving deeper into some more controversial issues such as debt. See you next time.